Welcome to Park Valley Church's Sermon of the Week. It doesn't matter if you have been a Christ follower for years or new to the Christian faith, you have come to the right place. Listen in as one of our campus pastors shares how to apply biblical truth in a tangible way. As you listen, we pray you have an encounter with Jesus that leads to real and lasting life change. Good morning. Good to see everybody. You know, I definitely want to wish a happy Father's Day to all the dads, granddads, and father figures. You know, and if anyone is still looking for that last-minute Father's Day gift, I can make a recommendation that I am sure every father would appreciate. You know, right smack dab in the middle of the Ten Commandments, right between remember the Sabbath and keep it holy and thou shalt not kill, is honor your father and your mother. You know, you can give your dad a lot of things on Father's Day, but honoring him every day will always be a welcome gift. Because Father's Day is really a time to, to celebrate the huge contribution made to families by dads. A special moment of the year to say thanks for all the, all the sacrifices and the hard work. You know, it's an opportunity to salute the the simple, quiet nobility of being a father. And we're going to be looking at James 3 this morning, which is really a perfect place to be for a Father's Day message because it's about words and it's about wisdom. Two things fathers have plenty of and are willing to share with everyone, right? So I thought maybe we could start off today with uh, some words of wisdom from dads. Do you guys remember um, Jeff Foxworthy? You know, you might be a redneck if, and then, you know, if you did this or you did that or you said this or you said that, you may be a redneck. Well, what if this morning we do a Father's Day version? You may be a dad if you've said or done one of these things. How about this? Because I said so, that's why. Were you raised in a barn after someone leaves the door open, which is followed usually by, I'm not paying to heat or cool the entire neighborhood. If your friends jumped off a cliff, would you do it? Do you think I'm made of money? Are you going to sleep all day? Now, how about this when asked if you got a haircut? No, I got them all cut. Yeah, or it could be, no, I just got my ears lowered. How about this? Are you working hard or hardly working? Followed by the uh, reminder, the one I got a lot was work smarter, not harder, son. The ever famous pull my finger or I think someone stepped on a frog. And now the, the ultimate test, there's no might about this. If you have ever held a stud finder up to your chest and said, yep, it works. You are definitely a dad, all right? Now, both words and wisdom, right? Words and wisdom, but but on a more serious note, you know, a, a father's words are very powerful. They can encourage and build up, or they can discourage and tear down. And that's true for all of us, not just fathers. But because words are, are powerful, we all need wisdom to know how to use them or how not to use them. 
You know, we often attribute wisdom to something that people will say. But look what Solomon tells us in Proverbs 10, verse 19. He says a person who talks too much gets into trouble. A wise person learns to be quiet. Basically, Solomon says sometimes the wisest thing you can say is nothing. And Abraham Lincoln is attributed with saying this, better to remain silent and be thought of a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. You know, our mouths, and more specifically the words that come out of them, can get us into trouble. Sometimes it is better to remain silent. Now, we all realize this, but usually not until we've said something that we wish we hadn't. Because, you know, what we say is really a window into our heart. In Matthew 12, 34, the Bible says this, your words show what is in your hearts. You know, Jesus says that our words reveal our heart. There's an old Scottish proverb that says, when the heart is full, the tongue will speak. You know, and often people will say something and then quickly say, I didn't mean that. And actually, they did probably mean it, they just didn't mean to actually say it. We mean what we say, but we don't always plan on letting our tongues expose our hearts. Our hearts are, I mean, our words are going to reveal what's deep down inside, whether it's good or bad. You know, and as kids, we're always taught that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Or, I'm rubber and you're glue. Whatever you say bounces off of me and sticks to you. You know, and, and the intent of both of those sayings is, is to teach us from a really young age that we shouldn't worry about what other people say to us or about us. But if we are honest with ourselves, both of those sayings are flat-out lies. Because words do hurt. Words don't bounce off. They not only stick to us, but they bury themselves deep in our hearts. We try to fool ourselves into thinking words have no power over us, but the truth is that words are immensely powerful. In Proverbs 18:21, the Bible says, The tongue can speak words that bring life or death. This proverb is literally saying that the words you speak have the power to give life to a person or a situation. However, it can, the words you say can also kill or destroy a person or a situation. It's really a, a simple reminder of how much your words matter. Out of our mouth, we have the power to build up or to tear down to motivate or to discourage, to lift people higher or to drag them lower. Words can do all of these things. And for that reason, dads, moms, all of us need to remember the truth of that proverb, whether we're speaking to each other, speaking to our kids, or speaking to anyone else. Words are a powerful tool, but also a powerful weapon. And that means you need to exercise caution when you use them. Washington Irving once said that the tongue is the only tool that gets sharper with use. 
And in chapter 1 of James, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. The more we understand the the power of our words and the, the life or death that they can bring, the more careful we'll be when we use them. You can't take your words back. It's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. But remember that sometimes wisdom comes not from what you say, but from choosing to say nothing at all. Now, I'm not saying that we should all take vows of silence. I mean, not everyone at least, right? Um, But we do need to realize that just because we can say something doesn't mean that we should say something. I mean, when we do speak, the Bible tells us that we are to speak the truth in love, that we are to let our words be kind, pleasant, and gracious. Because how you say it is just as important as what you say. And in Proverbs, there are about 150 verses that are devoted to the tongue, to the speech, and to our words. Basically, one out of every six verses in in Proverbs is about how we talk. And as the Proverbs of the New Testament, James is also filled with wisdom about our speech. James says that to live wisely requires us to learn about the power of our words. Where Paul says to glorify God in your bodies, James says start with your tongue. And in James, we we learn that our words can be used for instruction, for destruction, and for construction. Words can be constructive, or I'm sorry, instructive. James 3, verse 1, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. He basically opens this section of his letter with a, with a warning to anyone who would teach in the church. And I honestly think about this verse every day of the week as I am preparing a message. I realize that I have an opportunity to influence a lot of other people. By the nature of this position, my words have the power to do a lot of good or a lot of bad. And that's why my week is filled with a lot of prayer and a lot of time in God's Word. Peter Parker's Uncle Ben said, with great power comes great responsibility. It's really the biblical version of what Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I take that responsibility seriously. And while James is speaking specifically to those who who teach in church, the truth is that we are all teachers. Every time we open our mouths as Christians, we are teaching the world what we think about God and what we think about other people. And we can apply that same warning to fathers and mothers, to parents. Parents teach all the time. How we use our words shapes our children. We can build up or we can tear down. We can lead them to the Lord or we can lead them astray. And it's really, it's a little crazy when you think about it. The average human tongue is only three or four inches long and weighs two ounces but it is one of the strongest muscles in the body. 
There's a lot of power in those two ounces. James says that in verse 3 and 4, he says, we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. A small bit in the mouth controls a strong horse. A small rudder turns a, a large ship. The, the tongue provides direction and instruction like a bit or a rudder. That two-ounce tongue controls the whole body and impacts the lives of those around us. Now, like it said in Proverbs, the thing is that the tongue can bring life or it can bring death. It can be destructive. Words can be destructive. In Proverbs 15, verse 1, it says, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. You know, it's not just what you say, it's how you say it. When I was with the police department, we went through some training called verbal judo. And really, the, the purpose of this was aimed at teaching officers about the impact of their words on, on any situation. Because, you know, when you communicate, 20% of your communication is the transmission. It's what you say. The other 80% is the reception, how it's taken, how it's received. So, for example, if... If an officer were to give someone a ticket for speeding, that officer may say, have a nice day at the end of their interaction. Now, that officer may truly intend for you to have a nice day, but saying that after handing them a piece of paper that is going to cost them money, probably make them late, and most definitely decrease the likelihood of them having a nice day, it's just not the right time to say that. So instead, we were taught to say, drive safely. A gentle answer to deflect anger an effort to keep tempers from flaring, because you know what? It doesn't take much. In verses 5 and 6, James says, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. An uncontrolled tongue and careless or hurtful words are like a raging fire. You know, even now when we talk about an insult or a put-down, we refer to it as getting burned. Burns may heal, but the scars are always there. And words have that same impact on people. In verses 8, and, 8 9, and 10, he says, But our tongues get out of control. They are restless and evil, and always spreading deadly poison. My dear friends, with our tongues, we speak both praises and curses. We praise our Lord and Father, and we curse people who were created to be like God. And this isn't right. You know, this verse is the best explanation for why I unfollowed a lot of people on Facebook. You know, in one post, they are praising God for his blessings. They are praising God for answering prayer, or they are lifting prayers to God. And in the very next post, they are cussing out the guy who they are stuck behind on the drive home from work. Or they are saying foul things about some elected official that they disagree with. And James says this shouldn't happen. We are all created in the image of God. But that tongue, it's a constant reminder of our sinful nature. 
And in some other translations, this verse says that no human being can control the tongue. So here's a, a question. If the tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse or the rudder on a ship, who's holding the reins? And who's controlling the rudder in our lives? Some people have no hand on the reins or the rudder, and they will say whatever comes to mind. Others will let their emotions or their desires direct their tongue. But by saying that no human being can control the tongue, James is saying that God in our hearts is really the only way to control our tongues. Because our words show what's in our hearts. And if God is in your heart, then your words won't tear down. Instead, they'll build up. Because our words can be constructive. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul wrote, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We need to let our words be an encouragement to others. We still say what needs to be said, but the goal should be to help and not to hurt. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11, he says, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are are already doing excuse me doing because words have the power to give life to encourage and to build each other up and that's what we should be using them for not to tear each other down not blessing god out of one side of our mouth and cursing people from the other side of our mouth speak the truth in love speak it kindly pleasantly speak it with grace and it sounds easy to do that But wait until that guy cuts you off or doesn't use his blinker on the way out of the parking lot. What will your words say about your heart then? You know, having God in our heart is the first key to changing how our words are used. And the second is wisdom. In James 1.5, he says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Knowledge is is raw information, but wisdom is knowing how to use it. And when we need that wisdom, God will gladly supply it. We can ask God for the wisdom to control our tongues, to guide the choices we make, the words that we choose. That wisdom is there, we have only to ask of it ask for it. And I think we should each be praying like David did in Psalm 141. In verse 3, he says, Lord, help me control my tongue. Help me be careful about what I say. You know, David wisely asked for God's help to control his tongue, to control the things that came out of his mouth, the things he said. We should pray that same prayer every day. I mean, if you're like me, then maybe we should pray it multiple times every single day. God will give us that wisdom if we ask for it. And James closes this section of the letter by describing what God's wisdom is like. In verse 17, he says, But the wisdom that comes from God is like this. First, it is pure. It is also peaceful gentle and easy to please. 
This wisdom is always ready to help people who have trouble and to do good for others. This wisdom is always fair and honest. Human wisdom is rooted in selfish ambition. But wisdom from above is pure. It's peace-loving. It's gentle. It's full of mercy. It has a heart for others. It's always fair. It's always honest. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of wisdom that I want. That kind of wisdom will impact my heart. And that will change the words that will come out of my mouth. Our words are powerful tools. Powerful tools that can build or powerful weapons that can destroy. And we all need wisdom to know how to use them in a way that reflects God in our hearts. Dads, I want to talk to you for just a second. We have an incredible influence on our kids. And don't get me wrong, moms do too. But the, the impact of a dad's influence in the development of a child's life is something that we unfortunately can see because the statistics show us what happens when a dad isn't there. Roughly 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. 85% of the children who show behavioral disorders come from fatherless homes. 63% of youth suicides occur in homes where the father was either abusive or absent. Now those statistics are a little gloomy but they help emphasize the importance that a father plays in a child's life. The mere presence of a father can change a child's life. So imagine what a father's words can do. We know that they're powerful. We know that we need wisdom when it comes to what we say. But let me tell you this, that Every child needs to hear two things. Two things from their father that they need to hear. The first is, I'm here. The second is, I love you. We can literally speak life into our children. We can speak eternal life into our children. Because those two things that every child needs to hear are the same two things that we need to hear from our Heavenly Father. God says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. I'm here. And in John 3.16, God says that he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. And because he did, if we believe in him, we won't perish, but instead we'll have eternal life. God is here, and he loves us. And that's the gospel message. God loved, God gave, and God saved. And you know, no matter what your relationship is with your earthly father, your heavenly father is here. 
and he loves you. He wants a relationship with you. The only thing you need to do to begin that relationship is to make a decision about whether you believe or not. And if you believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose three days later to save us, the Bible says when we believe in our hearts, we confess with our mouths. Basically, if you believe, you just need to tell your Father in heaven. And you can do that this morning. You can do it right where you sit. You can say this prayer with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want you to know that I believe. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe that three days later he rose from the dead. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't, I can't save myself. So Lord, I just ask for you to forgive me. I repent of my sin. I turn to you. I put my faith in Jesus. And I want to spend the rest of my life living for you. Let my life be transformed by you and for you. And God, I just thank you for loving me. And I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, if you made a decision about your Heavenly Father, would you just let me know and lift a hand? Once you put it up, you can put it down. If you did make that decision today, please don't leave without grabbing one of the black bags by the door on your way out. Father God, we thank you for the gift of dads in our lives. We thank you for being the greatest dad ever, our Abba Father. Lord, we thank you for the love that you show us and the promise that you will never leave us. Lord, we pray for your blessings, for your favor, for your strength over every dad. For those who are seeking to walk closely with you in a dark world and for those who just need to be reminded that you are here and that you love us. Lord, we ask that you'll bless dads with a renewed courage, with boldness, that you will fill them with the Holy Spirit. We ask that you would help all dads to always stand strong, to be men of faith, to understand the power of their words and their actions, and to grant them your pure, peaceful, and honest wisdom in both. Lord, I pray that you will fill all of our hearts with love and compassion, with joy and faithfulness. And I pray that our words would reflect your truth from our hearts. And finally, Lord, I just pray that you will help us to control our tongues. <laughs>
Help us to be careful about what we say. Grant us the wisdom to build one another up and not to tear one another down. Lord, we just thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. And we pray that you will help us bring glory to you with all that we do. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. If you accepted Christ, want to accept Christ, or just want to see what Park Valley Church is about, you can email us at info at parkvalleychurch.com. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.